tweet at Miriam O'Call. Well, my next guest this morning has a truly inspirational story. Living in direct provision, homeless at 13, pregnant at 14, she and those who knew her didn't hold out much hope for her future. Today, however, she's a qualified accountant and a management consultant and works at Ernst & Young and describes the tests and trials of her life in her just published book, Believing in Me. Good morning, Deborah Samoran. So pleased you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's an, your, your book is truly inspirational. Look, we'll get into all the direct provision, how you ended up there. But reading your book, your relationship with your mom, I suppose, Deborah, largely explains the course of your life. Tell me a little bit about her. She was amazing. Um, I think the really sad thing for me is that our relationship really grew towards the end. Um, I suppose she had grown up with a strong, independent woman as a mum, which was incredible. And I suppose her philosophy for raising her kids was she wanted to try and give them the best in life. And when she married my dad, um, she hoped that they would live in England together. And my dad was much older at that stage, so he was now thinking about retiring and he wanted to be in Nigeria more. And there were a number of factors there in terms of, you know, family who lived very close by, who were were, um, part of their marriage, essentially, you know, and caused caused quite a lot of friction there. Um, And I suppose that led to the breakdown of their marriage. And that was really tough for her in that society you're just supposed to stay and put up with it even when you're really unhappy in a marriage um I remember watching them get into really heated arguments where both of them hit each other you know Mm. so it really wasn't working out but the the, you're still supposed to stay you're not supposed to get divorced but I suppose again because of that my mum being raised by such an independent woman she she was going to try and stand on her own two feet with her kids so that's how we end up moving to, sorry, <coughs> that's how we end up moving to Ireland. Um, and I suppose for my mum, she was also really struggling with depression. So I remember growing up, especially towards the end of their marriage, my mum would just be in her bed for ages, like literally wouldn't come out for weeks on end. Um, and if she did, it would be while we were at school, maybe to get some food and then go back in. And I remember going in and um, realising that, you know, it smelled like sick, but I didn't know that mm. meant she could possibly be pregnant. So I also have my incredible uh, little b- brother Solomon that that was born um, around that time. So she was pretty much on her own with four kids, 10 and under, um, while also dealing with depression and, and, a, and a lot of um, issues from a health perspective, because then she was later diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which she'd really struggled to be been diagnosed with um, for, for years. So she, she carried a lot of pain, um, and I suppose she took that frustration out on me um, when I was younger, particularly because I was pushing the boundaries when I first moved over here. Um, I'd grown up pretty sheltered. You know, my dad was a pastor, a very religious background, spent all day in Sunday school. Our books were all Bible books. So, yeah, it was it was it was tough. Um, and eventually I ended up going into care, not because you know, she was hitting me, actually. It was because something else had happened. You know, we'd gotten into it. I'd stayed out late, really, really late one night. And 
she didn't want to let me into the house and I went to a friend's house um, because I didn't know what to do and I was freezing. She'd thrown some water out the top window and it was just a really um, tough situation. So I'd gone to a friend's house because I didn't know what else to do. You were very young. Very, very young. I was 11 the first time I went into care. Um, And, you know, she called the police, you know, thinking, oh, they'll just come back and help us get everything back together. And I ended up being taken into care for the first time then. And when they did the medical examination, then they were able to see the scars and I obviously told them about it as well because I also didn't want to get hit, you know. Um, yeah, so it was it was quite a tough situation. But but I suppose as a as a mother, I understand that it must have hurt her to not have been able to help me when I was pushing those boundaries. Um, I also I, I just sympathise with her in in terms of what she was going through at that time, and it's not a nice thing to have your child taken from you. I carried a lot of guilt for that for a while because I felt like I'd brought a lot of shame and hassle to my mum's door um, while being moved around quite a lot while living in care. So I just wanted to go back home, even though I knew I wasn't safe there. I just wanted to go back home. So sorry, that's probably a long winded answer about what my mum was like. But yeah, that's no, it's a great background to it. And obviously you went into care there. You describe in the book brilliantly the years, I suppose there were bullies predatory older boys, forced to leave your hostel, I suppose, at 8am every morning. But you also say you were really lucky because you came across some exceptional people, didn't you, Deborah? Yeah, I was very, very lucky. So, you know, even I suppose the first OSHA worker I had, you know, she was incredible. She, um, I still talk to her to this day. She very much tried to support me and, and she really treated me. I remember her so much because she just didn't treat me like another case. You know, she just, she she treated me like I could have been her own child with a lot of empathy um, for the situations I was in. And um, I suppose I didn't know what being, I, I, I hoped being in care would be the safe option, but it didn't always work out that way. And um, I'm very thankful the people who supported me. So, for example, in the homeless hostel that I first stayed in, a place called Lefroy House, there was this incredible woman, Shelley, there who let me stay in the charity's office during the day so I didn't have to roam the streets all day. Like, she didn't need to do that. And she'd stay in the evening and call the hostels and get me a place uh, that I could sleep that night. She didn't need to do that and walk me back every single night. So she really saved me at that time because... I don't know, for, as a 13-year-old, at that at that point when I was living in homeless hostels, I don't know what would have happened roaming around the streets of Dublin all day. I don't know who I would have come across. And I, and I, I remember it was cold as well. So I remember being thankful that I had somewhere warm to go. Um, and that's, that's absolutely terrifying, you know, especially as a child, you don't have your family, you don't know any of the people you're interacting with, but you, you're thankful for the small things like being warm, you know, um, and being safe. Although it didn't always feel safe, that that first hostel I had to be locked into my room to be protected from the other residents. That's terrifying. You don't know what's happening on the other side of that door. And then the next home that I moved into um, was a specifically a homeless hostel for girls. wasn't particularly much safer, to be completely honest with you. And there's bars on the windows where the kitchen is. The kitchen is locked straight after dinner. It's just a very different experience. So, yeah, that's... And you describe, you know, there were many turning points in your life, but the greatest of which you say you became pregnant at the age of 14 and, and you had a little boy called Liam. How did the arrival of Liam change your life? Fundamentally, um, I think, you know, for me, I was I, I was kind of resigned to a really 
at that point I was under a full-time care order. So I was really resigned to just, I don't know, not a great life, you know, um, is, is not what I saw for myself. I did want to be in school. I did want to be stable. I did want to be somewhere safe. But I, I don't know that I fundamentally in my heart knew that things were going to work out. I was just trying to keep going forward and keep going forward. So when I got pregnant with Liam, it just changed everything because it wasn't about me anymore. It didn't even matter about my circumstances. It was about the life I was going to give him. And I didn't want him to have the same life that I had. I want him. I wanted him to have go to a good school, be raised in a nice, safe environment, a nice, stable environment without any, you know, moving and, and trauma from that perspective so he became my focus and education was my focus from that perspective because it was the only way I was going to be able to provide that life for him it was I had no interest of sitting on social welfare and for the rest of my life or getting a council house and I don't think a lot of single parents do I think a lot of people want to stand on their own two feet so from that perspective he completely changed my life and changed the trajectory of my life I focused I was 14 when I got pregnant 15 when I had him I went to grinds the whole time when I was um, pregnant so that straight after I had him I could sit my junior search and um, I did my junior cert mocks literally weeks after I had him um, and then I went on and I did my leaving cert and again in terms of the people who believed in me it was the care home I was in they were incredible they had um turned the care home into a mother and baby home so I could stay because I was going to have to that's I'm so sorry for using the term it's just still what they're called in the care system they're just special homes for kids that are in care who who get pregnant and they converted it so I could stay so they could support me um while I was in school and I'm so thankful to them for that I wouldn't have been able to learn how to raise a child while juggling school if it wasn't for the three years I spent there having that support so when I went on to college I was well able to manage I had to move I had to live on my own I was well able to manage um raising Liam on my own very much took a village like literally I remember my friends would even babysit you know if there was a night out she'd be who's not going so that they can babysit so you know it was it was really nice to have that support as well and I know he's gone up into a wonderful boy hasn't he he's incredible yeah. I'm very very proud of him how old is he now he's 13 and taller than me I keep joking <laughs> that it's very hard to give out to someone that's taller than you <laughs> and the amazing thing is like the accountancy firm in which you now work is located I gather in a street well known to you before you got that great job in Ernst & Young yeah I really I suppose it's I've, I've worked in two organisations and the first organisation I worked on, worked with was literally on the same street as Lefroy House literally um, and that that was surreal to me you know um, the difference and in the buildings that I could be going into, you know, um, and the different experience I was having there. I remember even one time we had an, a Chartered Accountants Ireland event in the convention centre next door. And it was the first time I was um, invited to that. And I actually had to, I was so overwhelmed, I was going to start crying. I had to step out for a few minutes. Just, it just really hit me, you know, how how different my life was, you know, how different the trajectory of my life was. And I was just so, so thankful to the people who had helped me to get there. Yeah, and I can, I know, you're it's okay. understandably emotional because your story is amazing that you have gone on to be so successful. How do you think you did turn your life around so rapidly? And you've written this book because you, you want to show how people can so easily fall through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose that was the reason I wrote it, is this concept of the one good adult, right, and how they can have this huge impact in someone's life. 
like, for example, if Shelley hadn't walked me back and forth to the hostel, I, I could have gotten hooked on drugs, right? God knows what could have mm. happened to me. And I come across so many kids in care who that did happen to. If the woman, Margaret, in the homeless hostel hadn't motivated me to um, go to school when I was, didn't want to go to school because I was embarrassed of where I was going home to with makeup, I would have dropped out of school and I wouldn't have been able to go back because I would have missed too much school, which again happens to a lot of kids in care. If they, if Kira and Alan hadn't converted the care home into a mother and baby home, I might have had my baby taken away from me. I might not have learned how to be a mom. I might not have had the support that I needed. I might not have been in a situation where I was able to stay in school. So I suppose it's just people who are in, in these positions, it's very much trying to tell this story to say, this is what happens when you try and support people. This is what happens when you treat them with empathy and see them as human beings. A lot of the times when I was dealing with people, they just didn't necessarily believe I was going to be able to accomplish my goals, they didn't necessarily believe that I was going to be able to stay in college with a baby, go on to be an accountant. And that fed into my own doubts, you know. I didn't think I was... I just... I always have this huge thing in the back of my own head before every exam. Who do I think I am to think that I can do this? I'm not a genius. I don't know any other people that I've, like that were visible that had done this. So why did I think that I could do this? So it was always that, right, this is the exam that I'm going to fail. This is where it's all going to end. This is where it's finally going to... I just never really believed that I would actually become a chartered accountant, you know. But you did. And your story is told wonderfully. It's published by Gail Books, Deborah, and it's called Believing in Me. And it's a truly inspirational story. And uh, congrats on everything you've achieved. Thank you so much. And for being a wonderful mother. Thank you so much. Your son, Liam.